Dear sir and or madam, this is Mr. Browntham. You're listening to 1590 WCGO Chicago Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in 3, 2, 1. I don't know who came up with this tradition, but is New Year's Day the best time to start a resolution? It re- you wake up at noon, you're hungover. <laughs> you're not even sure where you are. It's not the time to worry about a new diet. You, you have bigger priorities. Like, well, where are your pants? What? <laughs> Trying to figure out why there's a banjo in bed with you. You're covered in Cool Whip. Anybody? Anyway. (laughs) Hypothetical, I was just wondering. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio. Flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 877-711-5611. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. And true currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine will Good planets are hard to find Good planets This week's show is brought to you by Happy Leaf LED Grow Lights USA made with a five-year warranty Jumpstart your plants with better light And by Sitka Salmon Shares Bringing responsible and sustainable wild Alaskan seafood Direct to your door and here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Nova. And here we are. And I have no sound effects. I got. I I didn't bring the horn. I didn't bring yeah. the jingle bells. I didn't bring anything. Oh, let's I'm see. So it's so disappointing. It's almost no. I can't do that too well without the. It's almost as if the holiday season is over. Not quite. Not quite yet. Not quite. This is the final show of the year. That's all we got. That's just sad. I had I had uh, the all the all the props are they're not here. You you do have I, the reindeer. I got a couple of yeah, but the reindeer Yeah, but yeah. They're just antlers. They they don't make noise. This is radio. Uh, even though we're on Facebook live streaming, this theoretically is radio. Welcome to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. As I said, it's the last show of the 2018 year. And I know a lot of folks go, oh, I hope that, that what a horrible year. I want it to be over. And some people go, oh, it's a pretty good year. I, it's, I, I don't know. You know, years are years. Some of them are really awful. 2016 was pretty bad. But um, this one was, meh, it had good and it had bad. It had its, its moments. Good for us. Uh, expanding the range of the show, and we will continue to do that in 2019. Um, and uh, uh, other things that are going to happen at the start of the new year. We're going to have a wonderful new sponsor at the beginning of 2019 mm-hmm. also. I'm very excited. Um, and uh, I don't know if I should tease that or not. No, Maybe, may, yeah, we'll, we'll tell just, everybody okay, next We'll tell week. everybody next week. Um, uh, but t- today uh, we are going to do... Uh, you know, it's 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 a great show. I'm very happy that our meteorologist, Rick DeMaio, is going to be on in the second hour and talk about weather and climate for 2018. And he's coming in for the whole hour. How cool is that? And uh, 
Uh, so get your questions, comments, you weather geeks out there, 877. Yep, Randall's got his hand up. You guys don't know this, but our engineer Randall is a storm chaser when he gets a chance. But I'm not, you know, making you guys sound great. What do you mean you're not making us sound great? No, when he's not making When I'm not making you sound great. Oh, when you're not making us sound great. Yeah, he's out chasing storms. I mean, uh, that's that's a cool thing as long as you're safe. And I said that to him last week. Be safe. Uh, Ellie's back with us this week. Really? Ellie, who ditched on us uh, last Sunday uh, for the uh, Christmas show, which didn't want any part of a wonderful slight. And and having seen it and survived it, Ellie, I understand that instinct now. (laughs) I really, I really do. And if you missed it, you can go. Up on Facebook and see it, or you can go I, see it on YouTube. It's at the Mike Novak Show on Facebook, and you know what? I still haven't gotten around to the podcast. It's it's sitting there. I'll get it today. It'll get done. It'll get up there. But I did put a podcast of my other uh, and Xmas Carol, my tribute to Dickens, mm-hmm. Charles Dickens, uh, uh, and that's on the website. You can go to the uh, the podcast and and get that on today's show. As I said, Rick DeMille, second hour. We'll talk climate. We'll talk weather. Uh, first hour, we've got Rob Telfer, sometimes known as Robbie Telfer, sometimes known as Robbie Q. Telfer. Uh, I, I got to find out where or what he uses. Uh, he's a uh, adult learning programs assistant at the Morton Arboretum, but the reason he's here is not that. He's here for Wild Things. Wild Things. Wild Things, which is a semi-annual, I guess biannual conference that... Uh, occurs in Chicago, and what I'm beginning to understand from my friends around the country, I had a friend in Nebraska, and I'll tell Rob about that, who wrote, wow, that is so cool. How do we get one here? Mm-hmm. And folks around the country who are listening to this, you might want to pop into Chicago yeah. for February 23rd. More than 100 uh, seminars, like 133 seminars or I something? Think so. Are you kidding me? In, in about in one day. In one day? In about 10 hours, it's insane. No, nine hours, because it goes 9 a.m., mm-hmm. 6 p.m., and then you drink heavily after that. <laughs> it's like, uh, but it covers everything. And we, there are 12 different tracks, and we will talk to Rob about that, because uh, Peggy and I have been part of the Wild Things in the past. Um, I have a feeling we're going to show up there uh, in February, at the end of February, which is still next year. And... The tickets are available at early bird prices until tomorrow, tomorrow, the end of 2018. So stand by for all of that. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Molecki. Lots to follow. Stick around. Do you know that Chicagoans are getting healthier all the time? This is Peggy, and I know this is true because for eight years I've been publishing Natural Awakening, Chicago's greenest and healthiest magazine. And if you want your message to reach this growing market, you need to get your business in front of our readers. Why? Because our advertisers tell us that our targeted readers are committed to improving their health and they're ready to take action. That's more than 80,000 people in Chicago who will respond to your message. They're looking for holistic wellness practitioners, doctors, dentists, nutritionists, health coaches, yoga, even home improvement and landscape experts. Natural Awakenings is a free monthly magazine available in more than 1,100 locations throughout Cook, Lake, and McHenry counties. Call me today to expand your market and grow your business. 847-858-3697. That's 847-858-3697. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more.
Let's face it, sometimes we overdo physical activity. That's when to give Dr. Bonnie Flaster a call. Dr. Flaster is a chiropractor who treats back and neck pain, but addresses foot, knee, shoulder, and wrist pain too, all with gentle, non-force adjustments. And she'll talk to you about your problems and work with you to devise the best treatment strategy. Find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Body Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. Catch Playtime with Bill Turk and Carrie Kendall every Sunday from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on 1590 Okay, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. I happened to uh, be cruising cable uh, a few months ago and saw um, something wild, uh, the Jonathan Demi film, and uh, that's at the end of it. Oh, I thought that was you guys uh, produced... A track that ah, <laughs> it sounded that raw. Huh? Yeah, okay. it sounded that no, good. no, that's because it's from the the film soundtrack there. Ah. And uh, and I thought, yeah, there we go, because I was, I was going to play Wild Thing, which Sony probably owns or something. Uh, probably, so we'll probably be blacked out in a second here uh, <laughs> on Facebook. Uh, but I thought, uh, okay, let's let's do that version. That's because Wild Things is coming. Wild Things <laughs> is back. Look out! And uh, well, and and as I wrote on my blog, and you can go to MikeNovak.net, M-I-K-E-N-O-W-A-K.net. It reminds me of when I was a kid, and Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds came out, mm-hmm. and the the marketing campaign was, The Birds is Coming, and <laughs> it was great. It was, it was jarring, and I thought, okay, I'm going to do the same thing with Wild Things. Wild Things is back. <laughs> and people, Grammar is hard, and, man. <laughs> right. And that's, then that's the next billboard. Grammar is hard. <laughs> that's, and, that's always, I know when I'm talking to a scientist when they like conjugate data correctly, you know, they're like, oh, we looked at many data. And you're like, not a data anyway. That's, yeah, but, but, but you know what? This, this, this is a story that uh, about this show a few weeks ago, we had a, a scientist. On the show, I can't remember exactly who, and I was talking about various genuses, and then that person said, genera, and I went, oh, darn. Yeah, yeah, you lose your cred. When they say the correct thing after you said (laughs) the wrong thing, that's just Oh, that just stings. like, yeah, it's a slap. Yeah, that's like, uh, Randall, cue the next spot, please. Yeah, yeah, it's an academic slap. (laughs) Oh, that hurts. It burns. Genera. (laughs) Genera, and that's it. That's the right one, and I just thought... You know what? I'm not going to forget that again. No, yeah. I'm not going to say Jesus. Well, I'm going to blow your mind, too, because it's it's not uh, fungi. It's fungi. Yes. You know what? <laughs> I, I, I'm i trying to remember which one. I, I say fungi, I believe. Fungi. I've been saying fungi for a long time, but, it, you know, I am a fun guy. So, so that's, and, yeah. and, and you're very moldy, too. So that's the... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> lots of... Where's the noisemakers when we need I that? No, come on. There's, no, there's Ellie, some... Ellie, run out to the party shop right now. Buy us some noisemakers. Oh, there's like we... a fart button that they have in the booth. <laughs> you can't say that on the radio. Oh, sorry, sorry. All right. <laughs> uh, that, 
That guy who just <laughs> just tuned off all of our audience is uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Rob Telford. <laughs> now, is it Rob, Robbie, mm. or Robbie Q? So here's the thing about that. Robbie is what my family called me when I was a child. Robbie Q is a poetry name I made up. Ah. Uh, my middle name is not Q. I just like the letter. <laughs> And Rob is what I go with uh, in the conservation world. So usually I know who is talking to me mm-hmm. based on how they address me. So if they call me Robbie, that means that they are from the poetry world. If they call me Rob, that means they're from the conservation world. Uh, yeah. If they call you Q? Uh, then that's, they're, they're Star Trek world. They, yes. yeah, they, yeah, they really like Star Trek. Right. And they know that I am a, a omniscient god. <laughs> and, so uh, we'll call you Rob today then. Please. That way I'll know what to talk about, and I won't start talking about poetry. And and, and if we uh, use the Star Trek world, we can. You, if I get upset with you, I can always play this. Shut up, Wesley. All right, I yeah. can always throw that You can that always in. do that. All right. Uh, that guy is Robbie Q. Telfer, sometimes known as Rob, sometimes just Robbie. And he's an adult learning programs assistant at the Morton Arboretum. I don't even know what that is, Rob. Oh, me neither. Uh, Okay, good. Mankind will never know. Uh, Yeah, I I help. uh, It's So we have adult learning programs. So we have over 300 classes a year that we help teach on various topics, many of them uh, reflected in the Wild Things Conference this year, Mm -hmm. things like ecology and birds. Birds always get their own track um, because birders. That's, that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. We were talking birds last week with uh, Judy Pollock. Yeah, uh, there's a lot to say, um, and I just uh, I, I would never want to cross a birder, so we just give them their own track, <laughs> even when standing in a ditch like uh, Judy Pollock. So yeah, yeah. Uh, and, but uh, you're also a poet, uh, a performer, a um, uh, boy, you do a lot of uh, different things. Explain some of the things you do. Uh, yeah, so I see them as very similar. Um, I Well, I do too because it's all performance art. It could be radio, it could be TV, it can be print, it can be live stage, it can be a lot of different things. Totally. And I also see performing and performance art uh, very similar to the work I do in conservation in that you're – it's all about creating an experience for an audience. You're trying to get the audience to have some kind of transcendent mm-hmm. experience. In poetry, the audience is a bunch of people, usually with very nice haircuts, uh, who are trying to have a live theater or a live poetry experience. In conservation, your audience that you're trying to have a transcendent experience is the health of the ecosystem. You're trying to get the the plants and animals and fungi to have this sort of uh and the various genera yeah exactly the genera yeah of fungi. <laughs> exactly uh you're trying to get all of them to have this experience mm-hmm. that uh is reflective of basically the removal of your own ego um if you're a good performance artist and you're a good conservationist you're less concerned with your uh immortality and your ego and things like that and more concerned with the experience i'm always concerned with my immortality but uh, well and that's why you really haven't made it big uh, is that (laughs) just kidding just kidding Uh, no uh, ow ow it's like no no i I should say actually that uh, there are some really horrible people who are successful so uh well we all know that okay that happens in this world uh so you do all that stuff but you you have a science background and that's what's cool about it you're bringing you're bringing science to the arts, and um, it's actually the other way around. 
my background is in the arts and I bring Google based sciences to the arts. Uh, and then I end up at these places, these, these conservation places. But, uh, yeah, I, I got my degree in English education. So what do you mean by Google-based sciences? Oh, uh, <laughs> that I anything I, I have learned is from the Internet um, and talking to smart people. And so, uh, yeah, I've just – I say I get, like, my master's degree from Google University because I can just Google anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you know how to weed the, the good from the bad, you, you can learn a lot. And and I I honestly like I'm I garden uh, I do a lot of habitat restoration I don't think I could have done it without mm-hmm. Google uh, I would have had to have gone back and gotten another degree but now I don't I don't need well to. except that th- there was a time when people relied on books and that was uh, books books <laughs> yeah I, what's a I don't book? I don't know that I don't know that <laughs> the other thing that Rob does is he is the spokesperson for Wild Things mm-hmm. which is uh, coming up again on. February 23rd at the, Her- uh, the I was going to say Harold E. Stevens, Donald no, D. Donald Stevens, D. Stevens uh, Center in Rosemont. And um, this is a new venue. Mm-hmm. So you guys are excited about that. Yeah. And it's possible that you'll have a third more people there or something like that. It's crazy. You are, you're looking uh, to a big audience, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's one of those things, some folks who organize wild things are like, don't tell them how many people are expecting so that they think they could show up and, and, uh, and, and that it'll st- and get into any seminar they want. Exactly. That, that's not the way it works, folks. If you, it's like, okay, it's like signing up for a course in college. Mm-hmm. The good ones are going to be taken first. Yeah. All right. And then you're going to get the, the, the professor the you didn't want. Yeah. Want, want. Yeah, totally. So yeah, uh, the, current estimate of what we're thinking and why we booked this larger venue uh is 2100 people um that is up about a third mm-hmm. um but when we looked at how many people had to be turned away last time who, yeah. who registered late which is another uh reason why you should register sooner than later um that is a, a safe guess that we'd have about 2100 people which is great, and I think is is a really good problem to have. But yeah, you do have people who want to go to sessions, right. and then they are full. Um, well, and I think some of it, the location change is going to shift a little bit of who's going to. Instead of being UIC, right now you're close to uh, the Tri-State Tollway. You're close to the Expressway, closer to O'Hare, and it's still off the Blue Line. Yes, um, and yeah, you, you can still get there easily, but it's a little bit more accessible for. It's people coming from further out, right? Yeah, and and UIC has been excellent for the conference, but it's um, yeah, it's it's the primary goal I'd say of UIC is Mm -hmm. to be a really great college. This is a convention center where we'll be throwing a conference, and the 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 center itself and the way it's designed, Mm -hmm. everything is is made to uh, sort of facilitate a really great conference experience. Yeah, so basically the way the conference is working is there's a plenary session mm-hmm. starting at 9 mm-hmm. on February 23rd, Restoring yep. Nature, Food, and Justice, and then there's breakout sessions the rest of the day? Yes, there is going to be, I believe, 11 concurrent breakout sessions uh, and in 45-minute intervals. Um, and, yeah, there will be just a myriad of 
topics uh, covered in each mm-hmm. breakout session. It's well, it's... I've I've got the uh, tracks here. Oh wow, uh, yeah, yeah, and you've got twelve tracks, including advocacy, constituency building, communication. That's one track. Uh-huh. Arts, culture, history. That's another track. Mm-hmm. Backyards, neighborhoods, urban environment is a third track. Birds and bird conservation is another track. Ecological land management and restoration is a track. Ecological monitoring and research, natural history of the Chicago region, sustainability and climate change, tools for educators, volunteers, stewardship, community engagement. That's a track. Mm -hmm. Water in aquatic ecosystems and youth stewardship. Yes. Wow. I imagine that unless you are already sort of like doing the work, a lot of that stuff means absolutely nothing to you. Um, And so... If you're a prof- if you're a professional uh, and you are, you know sort of where your niche is and where you want to go. Those tracks are super useful. But mm-hmm. uh, the thing is, I think it is a very welcoming place. These are very thought out, well thought out tracks. Mm-hmm. But uh, they. Um, they are unnecessary for a positive experience. You know, they are unnecessary if you want to have a good conference. So I, I, I showed up uh, to my first Wild Things as this poet guy who was sort of, I say, tree curious. You know, you're mm-hmm. interested in nature, but you're not, you don't know. You, don't, you, you're, you're just, you just like it. You just like nature and you don't, you're not a soil ecologist or something. So I just went and I, I, I went to, of, wide array of uh sessions i was like this one sounds challenging this one sounds fun this one i have no idea what this one's going to be about but i'm just going to go because the title grabbed me yeah uh and titles I, are important well they really are yeah. that one actually changed my life because um it was by phil willink uh formerly of the shed aquarium and the field museum he's a uh fish guy um he loves fish and he studies them in lake michigan and elsewhere and his session was called something like uh, Lake Monsters and Sharks in Lake Michigan. Wouldn't it be cool if it were true? And <laughs> and the, I'd never heard a conference session that had wouldn't it be cool in it. Um, and I've been to some conferences. So uh, You've never seen uh, any of my uh, titles. I, you know, it's one of the things I, I, I pay attention to because I know it affects who's going to show totally, up. And you, yeah. try, you have to craft it. You can't just say what it is. Yeah. You got to you got to make it sexy. Exactly. Somehow. You yeah. really do. Yeah. And you do. You you make everything you do sexy. It's just really <laughs> <laughs> it's really impressive. <laughs> uh, get out. Leave. leave. OK. Yeah, that's you're, fair. You're I've, I've spent good. my time. That's uh, good. But, but the thing about the Wild Things Conference uh, that is so interesting. We talked a little bit about this uh, off air before you came on was this. It's a coalition that comes together every two years. They've been doing this now for like 17 years. Every two years, there's this conference. But I know there's a few paid roles in there, but that's not it. No one organization is putting everything together. It's all these people in all these different disciplines say, yeah, we need to get together every couple of years and have a bunch of seminars where pretty much everybody in the Midwest can come <laughs> and, and, and participate. And 
Uh, and then the great stuff that happens is the networking in there as yeah, well. Totally. So it's this is something I, I, I was telling you before, uh, my friend Benjamin Vogt, who's in um, Nebraska, wrote on Facebook when we posted, he said, what a cool conference I'd never heard of. Chicago has it going on. And. <laughs> And it's true for Nebraska, for sure. Yes, yeah. like, oh, we're like wow. we're like Nebraska's New York. So. He said that. He said that, Benjamin. I didn't. Okay, <laughs> I love Nebraska. Uh, don't get me wrong. Uh, but you're not seeing this in other places. In I the haven't, country. Uh, and I th- I think part of that is sort of we have a very unique history of uh, community interactions with mm-hmm. nature, and so that has been. Uh, Great. And and so we have here something that I haven't seen anywhere else. And I think that sort of community and culture of everyone getting together and throwing this party has not only grown to this bigger conference, but also has benefited the plants and animals in a way that uh, they've really in a lot of ways they've rebounded uh, from a lot of degradation over the over the years. Well, that's something to talk about. We're going to take a short break here and return to Rob. Robbie Q. Robbie, I have no Let's idea. Call me anything. Okay. Uh, the uh, the Wild Things guy who's uh, yep. here in the studio. Give us a call if you got a question or comment, 877-711-5611, or comment on Facebook or on Twitter. Yeah, we're all over the place. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, and we'll be right back. This is Peggy Malecki. The end of summer doesn't mean the end of growing season. That's when I bring tropicals, scented geraniums, and herbs onto my porch, plug in my Happy Leaf LED grow lights, and watch them thrive all winter long. 50,000-plus hour minimum lifespan, five-year warranty, USA made. Go to happyleafled.com and save 10% on purchases above $100 when you use the code MIKE. Happy Leaf LED grow lights, summer light in the middle of winter. From boat to doorstep. You can have the best in premium and sustainable Alaskan seafood right here in the Midwest. Sitka Salmon Shares is an Alaskan community-supported fishery, or CSF, comprised of small boat family fishermen from southeast Alaska. They're supported by 4,000 CSF members, and you can be one, too. Sign up at SitkaSalmonShares.com to receive fresh Alaska salmon, whitefish, and more in shares ranging from three to nine months. Use promo code MikeNovak18 for $25 off. Go to SitkaSalmonShares.com. You're listening to Weekends on WCGO. Check out our Facebook live stream brought to you in part by our exclusive signage partner, Fast Signs of Lincolnwood. Located at 3450 West Devon Avenue, visit them on the web at fastsigns.com slash 80. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And um, we've got Rob Telfer in the house. Uh, I, I just ran out to the vehicle. <laughs> I, I was sure there would be a noisemaker out there. It's, I, it's like the, everything's been You've drained. every week. Every week uh, and not here. However, I did find. Oh, yeah. What species is that? Wooden. <laughs> it's a wood frog. It's a wooden frog. That wooden frog. My friend Mac gave to me many years ago. Wow, that's great. It actually sounds almost like a cricket too. It's like 
somewhere between a cricket and a frog. Well, that's a great lead into the conference because not only are there see sessions, that's a segue. Okay. Yeah, not only are there sessions of on amphibians, but singing insects. Um, there's many fascinating things about singing insects. Um, the we have one of the foremost experts on singing insects, things like Katie Dids and mm-hmm. grasshoppers. Really? Yeah, who's, who's that? Uh, Carl Strang. Now, and, which which session is that? I don't out of know. the hundred and thirty, uh, it's probably called singing insect somewhere in there. I don't think so because I went through the entire list. Oh, okay. to find the ones that I and thought, you would have I, wanted I, to go I, to singing I, yes, insects. Absolutely, singing insects in a heartbeat. Well, they're great. Um, I, I will take a peek. Okay, what's the? It could have been he was at the last one, and I'm yeah, just conflating two. There, there was a singing insects. Yeah, I'm opening up the. Because uh, I the thought whole I remember here. someone talking about. Anyway. I could tell you all about singing insects, uh, but then I would ruin the the talk. Um, you can't do it all in in like t- ten minutes here. That's true. That's true. That's true. Uh, uh, one of the things I learned from him is that uh, certain insects will sing at a pitch that older ears cannot hear. Oh, great! <laughs> and so <laughs> you need to bring a young person with you. No, uh, so no, that's okay. kind of... who will not appreciate it. <laughs> They'll just be tweeting the whole time, <laughs> drinking their soft drinks. That's yeah. right. Looking <laughs> Rollerblading. Yeah. Look at, at their device. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, there is a session, Beatles, Spiders, and Mites. Oh, my. Yeah. That's the, well, uh, let me, the sequel to Wizard of Oz. But the uh, the singing insects doesn't appear to be on the schedule. This great. Year. So uh, I will not tell more facts about singing insects then. Uh, <laughs> they're really great. I didn't see that. But the ones that I marked, uh, and, and some of this is just me that I like. Like, for instance, there's birds in the garden, mm-hmm. tips for creating and enjoying a bird oasis. Urban ecology on Chicago's South Lakefront. That's that's important to me because I know that's a neglected part of the city. Yeah. Um. And and actually that that's sometimes good for yeah ecology. Yeah. It's, it's just leave it alone. All right. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Bumblebee biology identification decline and conservation. I think we should all be uh, aware that bumblebees are in decline. This is something that's very important. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, because I think it to me. The bumblebee is the harbinger of a spring. Yeah. When you see a bumblebee going, do 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 Bumbling, yeah, yeah. In your backyard, and it's 45 degrees, you go, oh, we're just so about like, there. Or spring! Fi- yeah, yeah, totally. Whatever. Yeah. Or 50, or whatever you know, temperature they come out at. Um, creeping, keeping crown vetch, teasel, and purple loosestrife at bay at a high-quality preserve. I'm like, Okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, and part of that is calorie pair the invasive Trojan horse. Now, not to me. I've been talking about how calorie pair has been invasive for years. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. Is anybody paying attention? No, they're not. <laughs> they still they're, sell it, and they, they put it they in. Put, uh, you know, and, and you can talk to the landscape managers and uh, not managers, but the the. Uh, well, if the really good landscape architects don't plant it, right. all right? But people want it in their city because, oh, it blooms white in the spring. Yeah, and then you'll have it everywhere blooming white. Yeah. That's all you'll have. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a real jerk. It really is. Uh, another one, environmental protection through stand-up comedy. <laughs> there you oh, go. Two bells, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and, oh, then. and you didn't even have anything to do with that one, did you? Or the did stand-up comedy? No, no. I, I, uh... and, uh, and also... And then there's it gets a frog. It gets, well. it gets a frog and two bells. Yeah. There actually are a lot of sessions dealing with art. 
to yeah, the power of art, yep, yeah. stories. There's plant the love poetry. stories. Yeah, there's the, the poetry from Paul DeRica. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, here's, journey. here's a sexy title. Yeah. All right. When you say you got to have a sexy title, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Converting to Prairie with Everyone Watching. Yeah. That you go, wait a second. What does that mean? Yeah, I know what it means. Voyeuristic. It means, uh, <laughs> yeah, kind of. No, it means that, you know, a public place and yeah. and people are going to judge you. They'll go, oh, it's going to be weedy. And right. now, now here's the challenge. How do you make it look wonderful? Mm-hmm. All right. Or also you have the challenges when prairies need to be burned and uh, you're in a neighborhood and people are like, oh, is there, are you going to catch my house on fire? Or are we going to have a forest fire? Uh, here's one. Wild Zones, redesigning Chicago's landscape ordinance. Well, yeah, that's another <laughs> thing I've been talking about for like 10 years on yeah, this show. Yeah. Um, how you can get a $600 or a $1,200 fine if you're growing native plants. Yeah, that is a huge bummer. I, I haven't <laughs> heard. More than a bummer. Yeah, no, it's, it's, and. Yeah, you hear stories of people who have like award-winning gardens from the same city, who are like, "Oh, this is a, we give you this award for this lovely native mm-hmm. planting," and then a different department in the city is like, "Actually, here's a six hundred dollar fine for the the weeds growing in your yard." Here's another sexy title: "I don't see as many butterflies as I used to." Is this statement really true? See, I would go to that one. Yeah, I want to know what they say. I from what I've heard, it is true, <laughs> but um, maybe. Maybe there's new information or there's different information about how we can keep it from being true. Mm-hmm. You, uh, What did you find there, Peggy? Look. Well, here's one that uh, Rick DeMaio would like, building a weather-ready nation. Yes. I almost wrote that one down as, as one of a the things. A weather-ready nation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Th- isn't that cool? Uh, overview of National Weather Service operations information, safety and preparedness information pertaining to those spending time outside. Oh, great. Yeah. So the, this is just a sampling of the thing. This is just a thing, taste. Uh, just a taste. And let's yeah. remind people that if you sign up before tomorrow midnight, so as you're counting down, go, oh, my goodness, I didn't call. Yeah, Hold yeah. on. You know, I didn't Ten, get online. Nine, nine. No, eight. no, stop. Register. <laughs> yeah. But you, you can go to wild, wildthingscommunity.org yes. and sign up there. There's a link to the um, Eventbrite. Eventbrite, yes. Yeah, and uh, I've got that on my website, mikenovak.net. You can go to my blog as well. But And, Ellie, get that posted, the link to... The registration. Let's get that on Facebook and Twitter right now and let people know. Now, what does it mean to be the early bird? How much do you save? Do you have any idea? Uh, you save enough to make it worth it. But <laughs> Well, but there's several levels there's of, several of what levels you can purchase. There's several levels of what you can too. purchase. Yeah, yeah, you can get the registration with a T-shirt. Uh, I saw the T-shirt design. I'm one of the few who have seen it. It Ooh. is P-U-R-T-Y. P-U-R-T-Y. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, you can get uh, luncheon included. You can get all sorts of bells and whistles with your mm-hmm. registration. Um, but then it is – it's not I, – I would say it's still affordable uh, for a lot of people, but it is uh, – it does go up yeah. after after the 31st. And there are scholarship opportunities too. If right. people are – if that is an actual barrier to you registering or, or you – just getting to the conference center is going to be too expensive, uh, there are ways to get your – registration funded. Right. And the basic registration, if you sign up by tomorrow, is $35, which for a full day yeah. of all 
there is a conference that I wanted to go to that the registration was like $1,500. And that is ensuring that I won't be there and a lot of people won't be there. But we're really hoping that not only mm-hmm. if you have the $35 that you come to That's it. That's the other thing. It's so ridiculously cheap. Yeah. You don't get, you're not getting this kind of conference at that price anywhere. And this is why people write uh, online and say, oh, my goodness, I've never seen anything like this before. And and you don't even have to stay if there's room in a in a seminar. You can duck out of one and oh, go yeah. into mm-hmm. another. It's 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 kind of free got, form. Yeah, you you can you can move in and out if you're like, oh, I actually don't like the weather, um, <laughs> or or it's not for me. Uh, yeah, you right. can you can wander in and out, check as many sessions as you can. Uh, I would also say if the session doesn't feel like it's for you, there's probably someone there who is for you. There's a, I've mm-hmm. met lifelong friends at these conferences and yeah. and and had my I've had the trajectory of my entire life changed at the wildlife wild things conference. That's terrifying, actually. <laughs> in a good way. In a good way, a, I guess. In a good way. You know, one of the people who, who's speaking, uh, I I wrote to her yesterday mm-hmm. because I saw her presentation, uh, dismantling climate deniers' arguments. And yeah, my I saw friend that, yeah. Julie Sacco was the person who taught me the tree keepers course when I became oh, a yeah. tree keeper. Uh, and I immediately wrote to her yesterday and I said, I want you to talk about this on the show. Mm-hmm. We're going to get around with DeMaio. Okay. Uh, I thought about today, and I thought, no, 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 no. I want to give her, her plenty of space to talk about. You should be, you should pretend to be a climate denier and say, and, and like come at her with all the different arguments that you can. Well, I know I've seen them all. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, or, or between now and then, open a, a, a coal plant. Um, <laughs> there you go. And, and then your 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 needs will change. Uh, and and of course, the ultimate the climate denier line is, I don't care. Yeah, that's yeah, there my we go. Fave. Don't yeah. bother. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, you're speaking, actually. You're I am. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yes. <laughs> you get to plug yourself. Yeah. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah. You're, at, you're on at 1015, empowering youth the culturally relevant way. <laughs> yes. Uh, I think we have this, this session with the most people speaking um, because I helped at the Field Museum last year. Uh, me and another person who still works there, uh, Asia Castaneda, we ran this internship called the Chicago Green Ambassadors, where we engaged with 15 youth uh, who represented four neighborhoods in Chicago, Pilsen, Little Village, Bronzeville, and Chinatown. And we created environmental projects with them based on social science. And that's something that you'll see throughout the festival or throughout the conference is that there are uh, sessions about community engagement and getting at people who have been under-resourced or mm-hmm. who who I, I think traditional environmentalism doesn't understand or see the ways in which uh, other people who aren't in this sort of like mainstream. Wait, I got the sexy title for that. What? Stop preaching at me, white guy. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I, I, thank you for like breaking down the thing I was trying to like delicately <laughs> say for like 50 words. Yes, uh, exactly. Um, there are ways in which people interact with nature that you just can't see. And uh-huh. so – we have loaded a lot of sessions with that, including ours. Um, we are going to be hearing from the youth who did their projects mm-hmm. uh, in those four neighborhoods. And, and, and I really like people. that. I think that's great stuff. And, you know, because I've been talking about that on the show for a while, too, is how do we bring younger people, people of color, into the environmental conversation? Because, A, they're either, they've usually been excluded yep. um, or 
we don't reach them some way. Or and they're I, having their own conversations right, that we don't not, hear. We're not right, privy to right, because yeah. those are the neighborhoods that are affected the most. All yeah. right. This is not the last time we're going to talk about wild things before February 23rd, but you need to register before midnight tomorrow to get the early bird rate. It's uh, February 23rd at the Donald E. Stevens Convention Center. Go to wildthingscommunity.org. Rob Telford, thank you so much. Thank you. Register for the conference. Change your life. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Ego Salon. They use only the safest, most natural, professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color, perms, and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne Keratin Smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at organicrootsecosalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty. You no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. Being a meteorologist, you see things daily that can be related or not related to climate change. And then you separate that from the climate science and the social policy. So it's almost like teaching three classes. The meteorology, which is short-term, the climate, which is long-term, and then the policy, which is government, whether or not it's federal, state, or local. I'm meteorologist Rick DeMaio. Stick around for some more insight into weather and climate on WCGO 1590, Chicago's Smart Talk. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at MikeNow. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, Mike at MikeNovak.net. Speaking of the website, podcasts and blog posts are available every week at MikeNovak.net. And while you're there, sign up for those posts and our newsletter on the homepage. And please, support the sponsors who support us. Look for logos and specials at MikeNovak.net. Back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki having a little phone. Uh, Adam's about to call you guys. So he says, uh, oh, okay, great. You got him? Oh, God, that was quick. No, wait, wait, wait. There we go. Uh, Adam Goldstein, are you with us? Yes, I am. How are you doing, Mike? Okay. Good morning. Woo! (laughs) We were trying to call you, and for some reason, it wasn't going through, and we don't know why. Um... Adam is on the phone with us right now because he's with Do the Right Thing, exclamation mark, recycling, uh, sometimes known as DTRT. Uh, It's an Illinois not-for-profit recycling awareness organization. And I know, Adam, full disclosure, because we served on a board together for, do you realize it was about a decade that we were together on the same board? Yeah, I know. Time flies, doesn't it? Uh, Yeah. When you're having fun trying to get people to recycle. <laughs> um, 
And uh, so, or it's really a, a slog when you're talking recycling in Chicago, too. Oh my goodness, yes, isn't it? Isn't it just sad? Because yeah. the, we were together on the board uh, from about like 2006. Uh, here it is, 12 years later, and um, we Chicago still cannot recycle. They haven't been able to recycle since uh, uh, about 1850. Uh, and uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and groups like ours, there's other groups that have been out there trying to get the city Mm -hmm. to do the right thing, no pun intended, uh, actually all pun intended, and uh, they can't. Uh, And so groups like yours have had to step up and say, you know what, if you can't get it done, we will on a small scale until you can get your act together. Would that be a, a fair characterization, Adam? I think so, Mike. Uh, Yeah, just about yeah, 15, 20 years ago, we, we started Do the Right Thing Recycling with that kind of, all right, not much is going on in the city of Chicago with regards to recycling, so let's just try to nip it a little bit here and there. We tried to get into schools and start uh, a little bit of education. Um, we also did kind of, uh, we called them custom recycling um, little jobs, I'd say, just with small small businesses to get uh, get in and talk to folks. <clears throat> and it was around that time that, man, we saw so many trees on the alleys mm-hmm. around Christmas time, and it just didn't make sense to us. Yeah, so you so got... we thought, uh, maybe this is a good way to, to try to get a captive audience uh-huh. and uh, actually go into folks' homes who maybe just for the convenience want to get rid of their tree. <laughs> but at that point, we could talk to them. And just be like, all right, well, what are you doing with the blue bin? Are you recycling? Are you considering other uses for your, you know, for your goods? So that was kind of the angle. That's a great angle. Yeah. but And the idea is you act, you'll you actually go into a home? <clears throat> into take, the living room. And to take out their Christmas tree? Yeah, we'll go, in, yeah, into the home. You know, we, we try to do it right. You know, take our shoes off to <laughs> do a clean job. We take non-disposable tarps and some bungees and really carefully wrap up the tree. Some of the folks, uh, <clears throat> they say that we're part of their Christmas tradition now, that uh, in addition to going out and buying a tree, that, uh, you know, just part of the New Year process, they, they call us up or go online, mm-hmm. place an order, and we come and wrap it up real clean and carefully and, and take it away and get it mulched. Fantastic. And and the and part of the reason I'm uh I asked you to be on the show today as you guys sent out a notice yesterday that I received. And I said, holy smoke, I need to do this because the other notice that that is going out is about the city of Chicago. And they you can take your tree in the city of Chicago to be mulched. Here's the problem. You have to do it. You got to schlep it to one of the now they make it easy. They've got a bunch of locations all over the city. So that's the good news. Um but yeah, it, that's good. But it doesn't even start until January 5th. And you and I got to talking yesterday, and one of my questions was, well, why doesn't the city, and I hate the word proactive, let's just say active, why doesn't the city get out there ahead of the game and go down the alleys like one or two passes before the 5th just to see what's in the alley to make sure those don't end up in the landfill? 
Um, no, I, you know, they, the city can't do anything unless you opt in. This is the way the city of Chicago works when it comes to recycling. And as I've told people for many years, if you want to guarantee a program is going to fail, make it an opt in. Mm -hmm. All right. Instead of a part of the regular service that you provide. So I don't understand why it's got to be seamless or because you're all, yeah. And you, and you're already seeing trees in the alleys, right, uh, Adam? Yeah, uh, already. I was just uh, just out today, in fact, picking up a few trees before our call. And, uh, man, I was just disappointed again that uh, there are so many trees. And now I think we talked, Mike, too, yesterday about, you know, the new thing now is not just disposing of your tree, which has been happening for many years now, but now it's taking the whole tree with the lights and with the stand and just leaving it out there. So everything Which makes no with sense. regards to the tree is now disposable in many people's minds. That's crazy. Do you mind if I yell at people for a second here? And what are you doing? What is this? <laughs> that's a, you must have heard me walking down the alley because that's what I say. I was like, oh, how could I use the stand again? Oh, I wonder if these lights work. In fact, uh, just a couple of years ago, one of my neighbors was actually proud that oh yeah we just start over again we don't have to worry if a light a set of lights doesn't work oh we'll get a new stand it'll fit perfectly or buy the tree with the stand so now it's just a matter of convenience and everything is disposed of just like everything so many things in our lives now are disposable now this whole tree system wow. is thrown out that's unbelievable uh. and and I don't understand why some people are going backward I I would hope that more trees are being recycled, but I don't have the numbers on that. There's, there's no really no way to judge that because we don't know how many Christmas trees are bought in the Chicago area and other parts of the country. No. I mean, and, and, and if it's happening here, like you say, with the, the stands and the lights still on the trees, you know it's happening elsewhere in the country, and that, that's yeah. not a good trend at all. Um, now, I do want to let folks know that uh, on my site, I've got the link to Do the Right Thing Recycling. Um, uh, so you can sign up for that. Uh, you can also go to, what's your uh, website there, Adam? Yeah, it's uh, dtrt-recycling.org. All right, and you can order a tree pickup. And you also have a deal until the new year, uh, which is uh, a, a really good bargain. And what's that? Yeah, it's um, twenty five dollars to for us to come in as we discussed to to wrap up the tree, um, to make an appointment that way, or we do a curbside pickup for fifteen dollars too. The uh, the only change that we're doing, Mike, is uh, starting with the new year, making reservations. Then is our prices go up a little bit for the larger trees? Mm -hmm. Just uh, yeah, those take uh, more room in our trucks and just take a little bit more time to care for. Yeah. Uh, and I understand so some that. people, you know, believe it or not, we picked up a 16 foot tree last year. <laughs> wow! <clears throat> and, uh, you know, and that was basically the same price as the five foot tree. So yeah. <laughs> we just tried to make a small adjustment there. Rockefeller Center called, said, hey, we got this tree here. Can you uh, get it out of here? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, they, it was in a converted cathedral. So you can, you ah. know, with those huge ceilings. So I think this group, this family, they're like, well, we have tall ceilings. We better get a tall tree. Well, and I also want to let folks know that we have uh, the, it, you can pick up have trees picked up in the Chicago area and in the suburbs. Um, the Tribune has a story on that. I have a link to that. You can also have lights 
recycled. The best place I know of to go to Scarce in uh, DuPage County. Um, boy, uh, Adam, you're going to be on the show. We're going to talk about recycling. I'm going to bring you down here, and we're going to have a long conversation. Meanwhile, go to Do the Right Thing. Thank you, Adam, for being on the program with us this morning. Pleasure, Mike. Uh, yeah, and uh, we'll talk about that urban tree. Captain's log, stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wolf. Killer asparagus was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work, and so am I. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Raven Gosplach, my favorite holiday dish. Thank you, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, options. It seems to be available online at aroundtheblockpress.com. Aroundtheblockpress.com. What do they have to say? Hmm. It appears that Mike Novak is a slapstick every gardener. I prefer my asparagus with a side of patach Mr. Wolf, are you joking? Actually, Captain, I believe he is choking. Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio with just a soup song of humor. Or is that a dash? Call us with your questions and comments at 877-711-5611. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. This is our final show of the year. We're live today. A lot of the other shows around here are doing tape uh, things, but not us because uh, we have no lives. And, uh, and so we come in here every Sunday morning. And the, and the audience demands it. Yes, they do. That's the other thing. Well, you know, look at television. Thousands of people lining the streets mm-hmm. in Evanston going, Mike and Peg live. <laughs> but, but, but I, you know, I think about TV. There, You've got to do something live there for the local news shows. And yeah. that's something you're not although, although usually on uh, Christmas and New Year's, they always had something that was kind of pre-planned ahead of time. That was kind of nice. You yeah. did your news and then the... The fluff stuff was always right. There's always like, well, there's always there's always some sort of holiday mask. And you got twenty four seven. You're filling there, so Ugh. <laughs> that's why I left TV. <laughs> he doesn't miss it, folks. I, no, uh, I don't. I get people say, "Well, when's Rick going to be on again?" No. We got a f- call pouring in there. I don't even watch TV, let alone want to be on it. Uh, yes, you do. You 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 watch Be Depressed on Sunday mornings. Eh, I know every that. once in a while. Yeah, even so. when I was on Fox, I didn't even know what was our leader. I go, "What's that?" They go, "That's the leader." I'm like, "I don't know." <laughs> And the managing editor would go, don't say that. I'm like, why do I need to I need to skew my weather towards, like, you know, something that was on Fox beforehand? Uh, no, Ugh. I don't think so. But, but uh, let's, let's, let's draw a distinction here. Local Fox is not the same as National Fox. Mm-hmm. It's very, very yeah. different. It's, I think most people know that by now. I'm not sure they do. I don't know if they get that. I think in cities like New York and Chicago, it's pretty evident. Yeah? Yeah, it is. Yeah, because they're not adhering... Right. Uh, that to that line. It's not so, like Fox Birmingham. Uh, Fran from Oak Lawn. All right, let's bring in Fran real quick. Fran, I love Fran from Oak Lawn. All How right, you? you're on the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, and Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you, too. 
Listen, I've been to so many of those conferences and, and other similar ones, and it never fails that there's not enough time to visit all the venues available, the ones that you're really interested in. Uh, it's like over-scheduling or something. Have they ever, uh, is there any way, I don't know the answer, uh, uh, you folks are the experts, uh, is there any way that they could get that, those other venues out to us? What what conference is he referring to? Uh, the Wild Things, which is coming up on yeah. uh, on February twenty third. We just had Rob Delfer on to talk about that. Now that's at the Donald D. Stevens mm-hmm. Center in Rosemont, which which is actually yeah. a very easy place to get to because it's off the Blue Line. It's it's right off the highway. Um, the the if. Of all the places in the area, that's one of the easiest uh, because it's near the city, reasonably near the city, not too far out into the burbs. So I would say that that splits the difference pretty well. What What are you talking about, uh, Fran? I'm saying that there are so many different uh, subjects that they cover that so are attractive. No one, no one can get to all of the ones oh, that they well, want to get recorded? to. Is there any way? Is there any way? Uh, and it's up to you guys. I don't know the answer. Is there any way that they could get that th- those those whatever uh, subjects out to us, or uh, maybe run it for two days? I, I don't know. Uh, you know what? Okay, I, I'm sorry, I misunderstood your question. I thought you were physically saying, "How do I get to this?" And what you're saying is, "How does, how does uh, it go from one yeah, room to well, another?" So, right, because so many sessions. There's 133 sessions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at, at the AMS conference, which I'll be going to next week, there's over 450 talks going on a day. And you get to like yeah. maybe five or six. Every one of those is recorded. Every single one. Yeah, but it's very you know, frustrating. But that's AMS, and see, that's the difference. It's and not so, that hard to record, though. But you know, yes, it is because what you're talking about, you're talking about an established organization that actually has a budget and a board of directors and a CEO, and we're talking about an organization that is ad hoc. This the problem is, Fran, that this organization comes together every two years, mostly volunteer. It's mostly volunteer, and then they cobble together these conferences. We were just talking to Rob outside, and I'm not busting anybody's chops here by saying that it's hard to go from two years ago to now if you've got a whole new crew putting mm-hmm. it together. They reinvent the wheel to some degree every two years. So the idea of coming up with the cash to record every session and put it somewhere online is daunting for them. It ain't going to happen right or, now. Or the staff. Or the staff, yeah. You know, it, it's actually, it's not that difficult. I'm not talking about visual. I'm just talking about audio. It's not that it, difficult it, to record. I know. That would be yeah. a great thing. You still, yeah. there's a lot of logistics for that, especially, you know, mm. uh, and who you're going to have to pay somebody to record it and to, to process it. Um, and I know what that's like because Peggy and I have been putting yeah. together an organization that's not a not-for-profit. It's our Chicago gardening thing. Yeah. Well, what they might be able to do, and maybe it's something – there is an email right on Wild Communities, uh, the, the website, the .org website um, – they might be able to make the presentations, the PowerPoints, available right. on their website. Yeah, that, that's what's which that's would what, at least they do start the getting and, Fran. That would start getting some information. And I'll out tell there. you, Fran, we will agitate. You should agitate. You should write to them and say, "Hey, guys, how are you documenting these presentations?" Yeah. And if enough people, yeah. if enough people are clamoring for that, and we'll bring it up, we'll talk to Rob again and say, you know, maybe this year what they can do is twenty of them. Mm-hmm. Out of 133 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then you've got to start yeah. and then build upon that. 
So, hey, hey friend, real quick question, more important one. How much snow did you get last night in Oakland? How much snow? He was at. at what, oh, we did. Maybe a quarter of an inch. Okay, there you go. Thanks. All right. <laughs> All right, we're back with Rick DeMaio. More climate and weather next. Whether it's March, July, September, or December, if you're a gardener, any time of year is perfect for a subscription to Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. It's the garden magazine for our region and one of the best gardening magazines in the country. Every issue features spectacular photos, articles by noted horticultural authorities, nursery owners, state extension agents, master gardeners, and more. There are columns like Ask the Garden Pros, Regional Reports, What to Do in the Garden, and even my column on the Inside Back page of every issue. I make up stuff and they pay me for it. Go figure. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines. On newsstands everywhere. But go to chicagolandgardening.com and get a subscription. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600. 888-265-3600. You're listening to Weekends on WCGO. Check out our Facebook live stream brought to you in part by our exclusive signage partner, Fast Signs of Lincolnwood. Located at 3450 West Devon Avenue, visit them on the web at fastsigns.com slash 80. Good morning, Rick DeMaio. Good morning, Peg. How are you? Good. Yeah. Good. Shades, we were... Shades of Lawrence Wilk there? Uh, no, that was Glenn Miller. No, I'm just saying it's New Year's Eve. So I always, always mm-hmm. think of oh, Lawrence Wilk. Say, no, no, no. Yeah. See, you th- you got to think Dick Clark for a while, and then Ryan Seacrest, and that, so that's that's the- Wow, I'm dating myself. Yes, huh? you really are. Oh, my gosh. I grew up with Lawrence. Yeah. I know. So did I. That was well, that was how. You can well, help me out there a little bit by no, saying you're no. older than I am. You didn't. <laughs> no, I'm not. Brother. Because I'm hipper than you are. That's why. Yeah. The new <laughs> oh, stuff dear. bores me. It's not that much. It's, uh, it's not nostalgic. Ryan Seekers, it's just not nostalgic. Well, it's they don't want it. they don't want nostalgia now. They Ugh. want they want trendy. They want new. They want fresh. They yeah. want. They want, uh, they want 23 second sound bites. Uh, that's yeah, exactly that's true. That's a meteorologist, uh, grumpy Rick DeMaio. <laughs> no, uh, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, New Year's Eve, the, the, the stuff on TV just doesn't seem to be the way it used to be. I kind of, I kind of miss seeing the, you know, the embalmed 70 year olds holding each other dancing to <laughs> Glenn Miller while you were watching a Lawrence Welk show. Oh, All right, how about dear. that? Okay, yeah, you can watch the Marx Brothers instead. If I you'd can, like. yeah, that's, I can, that's I going can to be that. on, on uh, Family Classic. Is it really yeah. good? Uh, is it? Yeah. Oh. Starting at 10.30. Wow. Well, and, and, and are they going to play, there ain't no sanity clothes, <laughs> uh, which I played last week. Uh, and um, uh, Rick is, uh, give us give us your, your background here, dude. Uh, you've just got, you, you know, you got a master's in something. I don't know. What... Um, well, in, in um, meteorology, so a bachelor's in meteorology, a master's in meteorology with a, uh, a core on aviation meteorology. So, right, and for years uh, you worked for United Airlines. United Airlines, for twelve years, and then I transitioned into TV. Um, <laughs> how that happened, I'll, I'll never. Usually, know. it's the other way around, isn't it? They go from yeah, TV into the yeah, airlines. I, and I started in you know Chicago, which is rare, but mm-hmm. that's because it was with a startup station. 
Mm-hmm. You know, at Fox was just coming on board. Most most of the people there were pretty green. So it was easy to hire someone who was just as green. <laughs> I no seriously, I I wouldn't have I, it wouldn't have happened any other way. So oftentimes things happen and there's really no reason for it. It just does and then yeah. you kind of figure out how to ride the boat as as long as you can. And I did. Yeah. Um, for... And you have a lot of fans out there uh who listen and and, and Rick's also been on uh, CBS Two Chicago. Yeah, I was on and... after I left Fox. I was on Channel Two for about five years while I was teaching and going back to school. That was <laughs> that was that was quite a period of my life. I was doing a lot of travel, yeah. Lot and of now you just you're just the madman in the classroom uh, teaching all over all over the place. Yeah, yeah. I'm at a few schools. I left full time to go part time because I found out that it was actually more money in it. Actually. Yeah, I hear my friends who are yeah. in the system, and as you, and as you've pointed out, you have to attend a lot of meetings, and yeah. there's things that are not as advantageous to you. Yeah, and and it, and it kind of um, uh, it kind of funnels you into a philosophy that is only for one school, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to being able to kind of broaden your horizons a little bit. Well, I hadn't thought about that point. Yeah. Each school has its own philosophy, oh, so, God, so yeah. that's got to keep you hopping as well and keep you fresh. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and that's what I that's why I like doing it that way. So, for instance, um, where I teach climate change at Loyola, there is a very strict um, thinking process of how we want this to work. You know, teaching kids uh, environmental sustainability, and they're growing a program as mm-hmm. well. Well, of course, Ellie is a graduate of that sustainability program at Loyola. Our intern. Um, and uh, I've met other people who are a graduate from IES. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you, you. I don't think you guys have actually met before. So, <laughs> were you in one of my classes? I signed up for one of your classes, but there wasn't enough students enrolled. Ah. <laughs> when, when was when was this? It was a while. It was um a I can't remember if it was fall or winter, but it was around two thousand end of two thousand sixteen. Two thousand start of two thousand seventeen. What, they weren't lined up around the block trying to get No, 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 because all, all of my classes fill because it's a – was that during the summertime? Yeah. Oh, that's because they didn't run the class. Um, it wasn't because there were enough students. I'm not sure. I just remember I signed up, and then I got a notice that I would not – that the class would not be going forward. Yeah, that was that was budgetary uh, restraints. Uh-huh. Yeah, it had yeah. nothing so to do I with – en- Yeah, there was nothing to do with <laughs> enrollment. Yeah, because uh, I was going to have to ask you to leave. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, and, and here's the interesting thing. I, I typically teach a summer class, and yeah. I, I bargained for it again this summer, mm-hmm. and they said the provost's decision was to not allow students to take a – core class that's required during the summertime because they felt that the students were being rushed through the class, hmm. which makes sense. Yeah. Totally makes sense. But so, the class did fill every, every semester that I taught yeah. it, 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 it filled yeah. up. And isn't your class required by some? Yeah. 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 It's a tier two class. There's a first tier and a second tier. So there would be like environmental science and then climate change, which is a 200 level course. Uh, and typically non-science majors have to take a, a first tier and a, and a second tier course, mm-hmm. which means you're not taking like intro to two ecology and intro to earth science. They want you to kind of, you know, graduate a little bit up the up yeah. the scale. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, what what I was beginning to say was there are um, there, there's definitely a, a way, a mindset of how Loyola wants it to be taught as opposed to Columbia College, which is whatever. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. And, yeah. and Lewis, where I teach an environmental science course, which is okay. <laughs> you know, okay, whatever you decide. And, yeah. and Oakton, whereas we haven't offered that class yet. You uh-huh. know, so it's my job to kind of, to kind of, um, uh, if you want to call it, adjust to each school's um, kind of protocol and how they go about doing things. Sure. And yeah. I, and I and I like that because it, it keeps you fresh and it. It kind of sharpens your edges, and it always makes you kind of think differently about how you want to go about teaching stuff. And and you can also see different perspectives on how absolutely climate change and everything else is is being handled. Um, yeah, and I, and I think also about how the students are prepped coming out of high school mm-hmm. as well. Loyola, you'll get a much higher level of intellect because the schools that they're coming out of are are usually out of state, out of city, um, and you're getting the cream of the crop. Um, whereas in some schools where it's open admission, you know, open enrollment, um, these kids sometimes barely get out of high school. Mm-hmm. And now you're trying to teach them a course that requires a lot of, you know, cognitive ability and some and some thinking into the future. And that's not always that's not always easy to do. I find those students to be more enjoyable sometimes to teach because you're trying to shape their mindset. You're trying to pull whatever they got out of high school mm-hmm. and, and kind of nurture it. Uh, and, and that's what I, that's why I like doing it that way. Well, and I can imagine one of the things you do, and we actually need to get to a discussion about weather and climate here, but before we do, I can see you trying to teach, uh, young adults how to think. Yeah, I do. Yeah. How to reason, how to make sense of the world around them, especially the climate world around them. And, and I think most meteorologists are always doing that, um, in kind of a intuitive approach because you're always trying to explain something mm-hmm. you know there's not many jobs out there other than maybe a meteorologist or a doctor or a plumber <laughs> right who's trying to explain to you why the leak is the way it is although with a plumber i'm not trying to diss their their profession but mm-hmm. it's pretty much straightforward but when you're trying to get into from a meteorological standpoint why a plane can fly or why your crops aren't growing or why why, why your neighborhood keeps flooding mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that that go into that so you're trying to develop kind of a, a a background of thought before you can get to the reason why the weather is doing what it's doing and why you're going to get right. um, some sort of uh, an effect from that. So and there's the whole some, scientific theory behind everything. Right. It's almost like every time you begin a class, it's like the scientific method over and over again, like Peg alluded to. The yeah. And then one of the things I like about you and what you bring to our show is you tie it into everyday life and everyday jobs. So you say, oh, this is why the corn crop uh, is really good this year, or this is why you can't ski this year because of this pattern, or this is why your, your backyard is flooded is again. Flooded again. And oh, I, I, I thought he was going to say it because I do it for free, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Wow. Okay. There we go. Rick DeMille, ladies and gentlemen. He'll be here for the rest of the show, unfortunately. Uh, well, let's get into the subject of, uh, of climate uh, and weather weather for 2018 if i said to you i just said 2018 yeah uh climate and weather what is the thing that pops into your head first high degree of variability it seems that more and more our seasons are not seasons (laughs) they're they're really good observation actually they're three week stretches of weather that has absolutely no bridge from one previous three week to the next three week yeah, I mean, if you think about what's going on right now, we're finishing up the month of December with literally an inch of snow in the ground, and it's going to be a sunny day, and everything that fell last night is going to be melted by mm-hmm. 4 o'clock this okay. afternoon. Right. And you're going to go, 
This doesn't look like December 30th, yet November 30th didn't look like November 30th. And the middle of October didn't feel like Mm -hmm. the middle of October. And Uh, then last December 30th was a world of difference. Yeah, yeah, incredibly cold. We had uh, one of the coldest December, or we had uh, probably one of the coldest January 1st on record, I think it was. It was a Um, high of one or something like that. Yeah, if we got even, I think that may have been like after midnight or like think during the day, I think we were like minus four and phenomenal wind chills as well. So there's there's more and more variability and... And I think it's it's challenging, even you know, a thirty day forecast. Uh, yeah, and, and you don't you don't even like to do seven day forecasts here. You know, I don't I don't mind that seven day forecasts are 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 they're they're not difficult, but but if you're trying to forecast details out to seven days, yeah, that that's so I, I see this stuff on TV. I see Channel Five, and I'm going to call them out on this because they'll go, here's the ten day trend, and notice what's going to happen ten days out. I'm like, you can't do that. <laughs> You really, I mean, you really can, and you, sh- and as a meteorologist, you shouldn't. You really shouldn't. And the only reason why they're doing it is because we now have numerical models that will present something in a graphical mm-hmm. form. And one of the things that meteorologists have become dismayed with is it's not so much meteorology anymore; it's almost modelology. You're not really getting people saying, "Here's what I think." You're getting people saying, "Here's what the model shows." Yeah, and that's not forecasting. Anybody can do that. After a while. And those are computer models. Yeah, yeah, computer models. Uh, and sometimes you have models talking about what the models are doing. <laughs> but uh, where's our rim shot? But oh, I'm bummed. <laughs> there we go. But in any event, it, it, it waters down the science part. Mm-hmm. And because it looks good, people think that it is right. And that's not good either. Marshall Shepard, who is the previous um, president of the AMS, is now one of the uh, leading professors at University of Georgia in Athens. You'll hear him talk quite a bit. I've mentioned him before. He talked about uh, what is the uh, downfall of the uh, government shutdown on meteorologists, and, it, and it's huge. In fact, some of the products that I use were unavailable the last three or four days because the funding for really? that, oh, yeah, is, is not available. And there's many people who are government contractors who are not now able to go to the AMS conference in Phoenix. Because of the government shutdown. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's a huge number. Well, one of the things we wrote about on the blog is that the EPA is virtually shut down Mm -hmm. as well at this point. Yeah, one of my colleagues at Oakton Community College, Bill Tong, is a uh, full-time worker at the EPA. And Mm -hmm. he's basically not going to be working. I mean, and and it's kind of getting lip service. It's not as dramatic as, as as it seems it should be. And probably because it's happening, you know, over the holiday break. Well, it is, but... and. Okay, you know I can take issue with that too. It it gets lip service. It doesn't get paid attention to because that's the norm. This is the way we roll yeah. in our country: is that we don't discuss climate, we don't discuss the environment at all. We're too busy trying to figure out the horse race for the 2020 elections. We just had an election, yeah. and we can't even be bothered. <clears throat> we cannot be bothered to yeah. talk about our own climate and and the effects of a shutdown of our country uh, that has import to us and so well it, it these, these things will be talked about at the ams matter of fact one of the bigger town hall meetings is how to handle extreme weather um in a in a very unsettled media environment so mm-hmm. we're on it like white on rice we are very much into uh, trying to figure out why people feel this way the difference between deniers and skeptics i mean we're talking about this stuff all the time uh, and hopefully I'll be able to share that with you uh, after the meeting. So it's going to be um, 
It's going to be a lot of interesting discussion over the next five to six days, and that begins on the 6th of January. Wow. Hobnobbing with fellow meteorologists, that's, uh, that's, that's got to be really entertaining for, for a guy like you. Oh, yeah. It's so, great. It, everybody's just yakking away like crazy. So what would be the main or one of the main 2018 stories that they're going to talk about at the conference? Uh, boy, it's a bunch of things. Um, it's, it's the development of speedy um, weather information through uh, mobile technology um, that we know is probably the norm is that that's how people use it, but whether or not it actually gets to them. And part of that came out of a couple of tornado outbreaks mm-hmm. and also hurricane outbreaks, um, where the infrastructure that delivers that information was was down okay. due to weather events. And is there another way that we can get this information to people? And we saw that even back in 2011, where telephone lines were, were knocked mm-hmm. down and therefore people's cell phones weren't working. So that that's one of the things that I think we'll be talking about quite a bit. That's meteorologist Rick DeMaio. He's here for the rest of the show. We'll get to some more climate and weather observations. If you want to be part of this conversation, give us a call, 877-711-5611, or post a question on Facebook. Here's your chance, you weather geeks out there. I know you're going to want to talk to Randall behind the control board because did you know he's a storm chaser? Yeah. Oh, okay, so uh, we, maybe we'll have a, a little conversation about, I don't know, the sanity of, of chasing storms. I don't know. Uh, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki and Rick DeMaio. We'll be right back. What is sustainable seafood and why should we care? In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. Sustainable seafood is seafood that is either caught or farmed in ways that consider the long-term vitality of species, the well-being of the oceans, and the communities that depend on fishing for their economy. In case you didn't know, our oceans are experiencing severe distress from environmental destruction and overfishing. The Marine Stewardship Council offers labels to make it easier to find fish that is sustainably sourced. So if you love your seafood without plastic microbeads and you want to make sure it is there for future generations, please consider sustainable seafood options. I'm Green Diva Meg. Please visit thegreendivas.com to find useful Green Diva podcasts, videos, and of course, lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green. From boat to doorstep. You can have the best in premium and sustainable Alaskan seafood right here in the Midwest. Sitka Salmon Shares is an Alaskan community-supported fishery, or CSF, comprised of small boat family fishermen from southeast Alaska. They're supported by 4,000 CSF members, and you can be one, too. Sign up at SitkaSalmonShares.com to receive fresh Alaska salmon, whitefish, and more in shares ranging from three to nine months. Use promo code MikeNovak18 for $25 off. Go to SitkaSalmonShares.com. This is Mike Novak. One of the best salads I ever had was courtesy of a friend who grew it in her living room using Happy Leaf LED grow lights. 50,000 plus hour minimum lifespan, five-year warranty, USA made. What's not to like? Whether you're a beginner or a gardening whiz, these lights are the face of 21st century growing technology. Go to happyleafled.com and save 10% on purchases above $100 when you use the code Mike. Happy Leaf LED grow lights, moving the garden to your living room. This is your talk. One of the few true originals of our time. On 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. Should old acquaintance. 
like any lock breaks <laughs> i leaned against the cd player <laughs> i did this that's how we Looks got like real butter, butter yeah. this the, is this is of course you know who is that this is rick DeMaio, right it's the beach boys yeah very good with a little reverb with a little reverb i don't know how i did that it's all by accident but this is my favorite arrangement of old lang syne Okay. <laughs> it was the same thing. I leaned against it. Is Holy that your sp- ring, 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 ring tone? Uh, yeah. And, and, and before, we were looking for this, and I didn't have it. All right. There we go. The rim shot. There it is. There you go. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. That is meteorologist Rick DeMaio in the studio with us. We're talking 2018 in the world of climate and weather and variability. Yeah. And, and I <clears throat> use that phrase everywhere. Oh. People, <clears throat> although, although... You do use the word variability, but the the Earth is warming. I mean, oh yeah, we don't yeah. we don't say global warming because now that is a uh, it's it's a phrase that uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for? It's kind of like saying history. No, 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 no. What, I'm what saying kind it, of history is it? World War II history? No, is no, it, no. It's, when you like, it's like when you say feminism and and those words that get a stigma attached yeah. to them you can't oh, you see. can't you get, it's it's political at this yeah, point. yeah it becomes but that's not the there's a yeah. word for that and i can't remember kathleen if you're listening tell me uh but <clears throat> you can't even say global warming anymore because then they'll attack you be, when there's a snowball outside all right oh yeah it snows. And, and, you, and and that's one of the things I, I get into discussions with my colleagues at loyola is um i keep everybody kind of in step i'm the meteorologist amongst the climatology people mm-hmm. They're always talking aggregate data. I'm talking what's in front of you. Something like the reporter at the front lines telling them what's actually happening, even though the news going home is we're winning a war. Okay, so I'm like, here's what's happening right now. It's really hard to teach climate change and global warming when you're 10 degrees below normal in the middle of November and there's snow on the ground. Mm -hmm. Kids walk in, they go, "Uh, I didn't think this was going to happen because you told me it doesn't happen anymore. And you say, I did not tell you that. Well, but there's the problem, because unless you kind of set them up early on in how to discuss climate change and climate variability, they're going to get that into their mindset. Yeah, but the, the, you have to, obviously, part of your job is to disabuse them of that kind of thinking, which is to say, <clears throat> you teach uh the entire globe is a very big place right. and temperatures are affected everywhere and even if it goes if it goes from 32 degrees to 34 degrees that's an increase right it right, doesn't right. matter that right. it's 34 degrees but you have to be able to thread the needle every week and even though you'll get students in the class sitting there going here he goes again blah 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 you you can't <laughs> let that you can't let that discourage you you have yeah. to do it in a way that links every 
single weather event across the country weekly into what you're going to talk about. And that takes a lot of work. It of course really it does. does. But, but, but you have a captive audience. Imagine the rest of us. <laughs> well, all right. So have you ever been in a college class for two hours <laughs> and 30 minutes and you're calling them a captive audience? Okay, really? Maybe, maybe not. Well, but after five minutes, if you're bored, they're looking at their phone. Oh, do you, and you allow those in the class? No. Oh, <laughs> but they're looking at them anyway. <laughs> I allow them in the class, but I go, oh, wow, there's a phone out. Would you go order me a pizza? You know, and if you're going to look at the phone, please do it outside. But I make sure I don't call them out on it. Yeah. After a while, if I see that they're doing it a lot at the end of the class, I go, I noticed three or four times you're on the phone. I'd oh. rather you not do that. And I just, I, I, I say it that way. I go, I'd rather you not. I don't say don't do it. I, d- I don't say there's going to be a penalty. I just say, I'd rather you not. Okay. Which gives well, them the option of still doing it. I think going back to... Though the perception, it's it's a shift in thinking. You know, right. people get used to 30 seconds on the weather, a minute right. on the weather. Right. Let's see, it's going to be 10 degrees today, right. bundle up. I thought it was going to be Yeah, is, is a very, very common statement in any weather forecast, short, medium, or long term. All yeah. right, so I, got, pe- I got one for you. Last week, you said there's a chance we will have snow on Christmas Day. Yeah, there was a really good chance. And, yeah. and guess what? And in it didn't Milwaukee, happen. No, in Milwaukee, it happened. And people were writing and going, yay, we got yeah. our snow. Yeah. Here in Chicago, we, we, didn't. Were, yeah. we were just below that right. line. You right. know, But you were really close. And I looked at mm-hmm. it and I said, that's actually a pretty good forecast. And, and you know what? To be honest with you, I think in those type of situations, every meteorologist is going to look for a way that you can get snow on yeah. Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's also a forecast for an immediate weather condition in right. a small area right. as opposed to a global climate right which, right. which takes Shift. us to the uh the pronouncement by the uh united nations group about the difference that'll happen in the next umpteen years if we increase the temperature by two degrees or 1.5 degrees yeah. and and <laughs> you know you talk about splitting hairs you would think well well what's the difference on that well i put up on the blog this chart there was a story uh, in the Science News, and 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 under the chart, less is more. Uh, for instance, uh, if we cap global warming at 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial level levels, rather than two degrees, global sea or at global average sea level rise by 2100 will go from 56 centimeters to 48. Uh, acidity will go from 24% to 9%. I think it meant from 48 to 56. Well, it, it, well if we go f- if we if we go from 2 degrees to 1.5, if we can keep it Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah if we gotcha, can keep gotcha. it under 2 right. degrees Lesser at 1.5, right. yeah, yeah um, the positive feedback is reduced. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh <clears throat> proportion of species losing greater than 50% of range that has a climate they can tolerate goes from 18% to 6%. So th- these are these are really st- um, important numbers, and they're significant numbers for a half a degree of global change. But the problem is, as you have to explain to your your students, it's a global and right it's, increase, it's aggregate over a right, year, right. as opposed to stepping outside and it doesn't feel any warmer. And and one and one of the things that I one of the uh, examples that I use and I really beat it to death over about two or three days was that event that we had in November. Peg and I were emailing back and forth. I think you had like about an inch and a half of snow up in Highland Park. I had about an inch and a half in Evanston. If you would drive west on Gulf Road, by the time you got to Crawford, it's four inches. By the time you got to Eden, it was six. By the time you got to 294, it was 10. And I used that and I showed my students, I go, look how different this area looked visually 
from a standpoint of being 32 degrees to mm-hmm. 33.5 degrees. Yeah. And there was 1.5 degrees Fahrenheit. And look how much it cost the city of Des Plaines to clear their snow compared to the city of Evanston. Mm-hmm. And I kept drilling that into them. I go, if you don't think, point. If you don't yeah. think 1.5 degrees means a lot, they go, but that was one event. I go, yeah, but if you have one event... Every year like that, over the course of a lifetime, you will have a thousand inches less snow or a thousand inches more snow. Mm-hmm. And, and a huge <clears throat> economic difference. And a huge economic difference. But on top of that, the the feedback, which is more snow, more reflectivity, colder weather as opposed to less snow, less reflectivity, more warmth to the ground. It does add up, but you have to start with an example that the students can actually latch onto. Mm-hmm. So when they walk outside and they feel rain on their face, mm-hmm. I go, the reason why that's rain and not snow is because it's the middle of November and that lake water temperature is 44 degrees. And this is something we were talking about the other day, the fact that the rain snow line in late December was actually north of Minneapolis the other day. You don't you don't see that too often. No. You just don't see that too often. Now, you have to still talk about the benefits of a warming climate and people at Loyola hate me for doing this, but I even got the president of the university uh, off to the side. I go, my name is Rick DeMaio. I teach climate. She goes, oh yeah, I, I know about you. I go, I, I need to tell you something. And this is really, you have to talk about some of the, she's, and she looked at me like, why? I go, because the students see it. Mm-hmm. If the students are walking outside on the 30th and December going, I kind of like this. You cannot deny that. Because as a scientist, you have to look at the observations. And if someone is liking something, Mm -hmm. you have to go, okay, they're liking this for a reason. It's a warmer climate. So you have to be able to talk about both sides of it. If you're denying it, then you're not really a scientist. However, this guy says... This is not normal. All right, that's uh, all I've got to say. (laughs) (laughs) But no, you're right. It's it's true. Reality is reality. You walk outside without a jacket and you're going, oh, it's not so bad, that... There is that's yeah. some positive for and, you. And, and part of that came from my days. At oh, United. and I'll tell you, and I'm spending less on gas to heat my home right now. And I'm going to look at that number and say, right. wow, that right. was that warm December. Right. And not only because it's been warmer, but because gas is also a lot cheaper right now yeah. as well. And all of that, um, believe it or not, <laughs> it's amazing how much we actually pulled out of the ground during the Obama years. People will go, no, he was all about regulation. He had nothing to do with the fact that we actually pulled more oil out of the ground than the previous eight years. It was due to technology. We now have, we are now the largest producer of oil in the world. Yes. The largest exporter of liquid natural gas. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all mainly due to technology. It has nothing to do with regulations. Coal is dying, not because of Obama. It's because of cheap natural gas. I was was reading an article yesterday. about, uh, I'm looking for it, uh, I believe it is either New York Times or Washington Post, where it's questioning is the fact that the U.S. is now the biggest exporter to China and other countries, is that affecting climate change? Because you it's, mean of, it's, of off, it's, natural it's gas? offsetting coal, it's offsetting coal use, but it's preventing greener technologies. Um, well, I don't know. I mean, China's the leader right now in both wind and solar. So I, I You're just talking think, about gas. Yeah. Yeah. A like, lot of people look at it as a bridge between yeah, t- yeah. coal and, 
And, you know, and we can't cross that bridge fast enough, if you ask me, but it's cleaner, obviously, than coal, but yeah, it has so a lot of side effects. As we know, fracking can be extremely dangerous. Yeah. We don't know the, the, the detrimental effects of, uh, of fracking yet. We know a lot of them. Uh, we don't know if we can possibly control them. Uh, we do know that we, there are earthquakes in Oklahoma that never happened before <laughs> the last yeah. 10 years. Yeah. This is a Washington that, Post. That was overfragging. <laughs> yeah. This is Washington Post from this week. U.S. fossil fuel exports spur growth and climate worries. Yeah, I'd have to think about that. It's kind of weighing both of the sides of all of this extra gas. Well, nothing, nothing exists yeah. in a vacuum. There's, there's cause and effect, yeah. and there, you do one thing and something else happens. Uh, we, but in general, we have to ha- <laughs> head in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. We have to keep it at got to think of the future. 1.5 degrees would be a good thing. All right, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, Rick DeMaio in studio. More when we return. A good day's gardening can sometimes be a bad day for your muscles and joints. Dr. Bonnie Flaster is a chiropractor who uses gentle, non-force adjustments to relieve pain. With 29 years of experience, she relies on a variety of treatments, including low-level laser, acupuncture, and gentle chiropractic. Visit her at River North Wellness Center and find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. If you're looking to invest in an electrical car or truck, make sure to hire a state-licensed electrical contract. The installation of that charger will require a permit in most municipalities. So make sure to check the ICC website for a certified contractor at icc.illinois.gov. You can also call DNR Services Unlimited. They've been a licensed electrical contractor since 1992. Visit their website at restorethenorthshore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. This is Mike Novak. The song says it's the most wonderful time of the year, unless you're homeless. And I'm Bill Turk. It's hard to know what to do, but you can design a care kit for people in need, something that will do some good in the short run. And I'm Peggy Malecki. The number one item people need is good socks, high-quality wool or thermal. Hats, gloves, and scarves are also important, along with hygiene products like deodorant, body wash, toothbrushes and toothpaste, Band-Aids, lip balm, wet wipes, even nail clippers. Food products can include high-protein snacks, easy-to-open tuna, crackers and peanut butter, applesauce, granola bar, or fruit rolls. And I put everything in a one-gallon Ziploc bag. And if you can, make a connection, offer a smile, or even your first name. And don't forget to include some feminine products, too. You're not changing the world. Just making one person's world a little better for a little while. This is your talk. Do you read me? On 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. Come on, is anybody even out there? In this coming year, I'm going to be discreet. Have the slickers playing music soft and sweet. I resolve to treat Tchaikovsky tenderly and set his second movement off with TNT.
You don't get much of that anymore. <laughs> I, I was thinking about that the other day because I knew I was going to play that today. I thought, you know, back in 1947 or 48 or whenever that came out, that was like the hippest, most mm-hmm. interesting thing. And it's still fun. I mean, what, what can I tell you? Welcome back to the Mike Novak <laughs> Show with Peggy Malecki. Um That was the Muppets, right? Yeah. <laughs> No, that's at the end of the show. Okay. okay, that's at the end of the show. That would be Spike Jones. Uh, we were talking. We were talking during the break about uh, the New Horizons flyby and NASA TV, and and Peggy was saying that um, for those of you not familiar with this, and and if you're not, I can't even imagine how you could not be interested in this. Uh, about thirty minutes, twenty minutes after the new year. A New Horizons is going to fly by uh, an object in the Kuiper Belt of the of the solar system, which has never happened before. Mm. It, you know, it took the photos of Pluto in 2015, which wow. were spectacular, mm-hmm. um, and it's going to go by this object that they've renamed Ultima Thule, uh, and it's it's not very large. It's about the size of New York City, floating out in space. And they think it might be like dumbbell-shaped. It might be two objects rotating around each other. We don't know. And we won't know until about a day and a half after it goes by because it takes that long for the signal to come back. Six-hour return and then editing. Right. Yeah. And yet we will see something that no one has ever seen before. I mean, that same thing happened with Pluto, which was so cool, is that – we knew Pluto was going to be interesting. We didn't know it was going to be that interesting. And was, was that already when they decided it was not a planet? Or is that what that, helped them what become a planet is, again? What happened is when New Horizons launched, Pluto was a planet. Oh, by, okay. the, by the time it got there, it had been, it had been demoted, Aww. which I'm still unhappy You're about. No longer you, a planet. You cannot ruin my youth, okay? There are nine planets. That's what I'm telling you. There are nine until we find uh, Planet X out there. Uh, but so, which oh, would be ten? Th- yeah, because I still consider Pluto a planet, and I know there you go. it's anti-science. Uh, but. Yeah, so that's New Year, and then New Year's Day, they'll know if it connected, and, and then I think, like, on January 2nd, they'll have some photos, but you, they'll be trickling in yeah. for months. And that's going to be on NASA TV. It's on John Hopkins University Applied Physics Lab. Cool. Um, space.com has it, and the Planetary Society, so there's lots of places. Yeah, So I, I would be remiss if I, you know, we talk cold spells and so forth. Yeah. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you to give us some observations about the California fires this year. Um, It's a couple of things. Uh, Population growth, I think, is the main reason why the fires are so um, impactful. Uh, You can't say why the fires are bad is because of population. Because fires can be bad, but they cannot be impactful. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. No, yeah. and I understand what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. We're building more and more into wood oh, areas. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and also the homes that are being built are right next to one another. They're made out of wood. Um, they have the type of uh, material that burns really, really fast. And that's like that's like people building all along the Dan Ryan and not having soundproof windows and start mm-hmm. complaining about the noise. So part of it is, I think, uh, is is a human induced problem because we didn't think about this. 20 or 30 years ago, because there's been fires out in those areas before. And even the one in the, up in Napa Valley, there was a fire back, back in 1967 and said, we should not build in this area. Well, every time when you look at natural disasters, you look at uh, intervals and you look at risk assessment. If it didn't happen for 20 years, yeah, go ahead. You can build there. 
people want to live in that area. So And realtors want to make money. <clears throat> and realtors want to make money. However, if you look at it purely from a meteorological standpoint, that area just to the north of the campfire had literally 5% rainfall normal over the period of six months. Mm. So we have a combination of extreme variability, uh, population growth, and unfortunately, the mitigation efforts that you apply to that solution is passe. You, 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 can't, you can't mitigate by, what, all of a sudden making fire-retardant homes? So in a sense, and this is the only time you're going to hear me say this, Trump was actually right when he talked about you need better management of forest. However, that wasn't, quote, a forest fire. It was a fire that developed most likely due to a power line that went down. They're going to find this out. But it doesn't matter. The fact that that area probably should have been managed a little bit better on the edge probably would have limited the devastation from that particular fire. Yeah, but part of that management also is don't build in places where there's going to be fires. Right, don't build, but also don't cut federal funding that does not allow you to support CAL FIRE. Yeah. So it, it's a it's when 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 you say it's it's the state's fault, that's that's putting your head up. Your, you know what? <laughs> you have to start off from the top and say, how could we keep this from happening? Because we recognize the fact that it is a problem. If you're just saying that fires are not a problem and drug abuse is not a problem, you're not going to fund. You're not going to look at it. And then all of a sudden, when the situation does occur, you go, how did this happen? This was your fault. And 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 you have to have, as I call, threading the needle beginning from the top. So what do you see coming up? Uh, we're, we're getting to the end of the show here. Sure. What do you see coming up uh, here in the Midwest? Uh, you know what? There is a huge pool of cold air that extends all the way from western Canada to eastern Canada. And the northern parts of the United States is basically going to be right on the southern edge of that. Now, the pattern over the next two to three weeks is going to be very, very interesting because we're going to begin to transition into a colder flow from the north and west. We're also beginning to link up with a little bit of moisture off of the subtropics. Mm. Usually when that happens, you can get some of your most widespread impact, high-impact snow events during El Nino years, which is what it looks like we'll get into during the second half of January. But what I don't see happening, and I think that's easy to do at this point, is there's not going to be any long duration, three or four days or five days of really, really cold Arctic air. We're going to get these little two or three day events. Then you'll get some rain and snow, little two or three day events. I think you're going to end up seeing more rain through the month of January rather than snow. However, the snow that we get will pile up pretty good. Uh So we're going to have like two events of easily eight to 10 inches. But it's also going to be preceded by rain and probably uh, followed by maybe a couple of days of Arctic weather. Wow. Again, more variability, but um, also uh, when you look at the numbers at the end, it may actually end up being average hmm. <laughs> from a standpoint of temperature. <laughs> That's the problem when you spread it out over a number of right, months. Yeah. Right. But we finally, over the last week, began to kind of connect with the subtropics a little bit. You saw these last two systems produce huge amounts of rain. I mean, many areas of the southeast are over... Um, 60, 70, even 80 inches of rain for the year. Wow. Yeah, and the crops actually last year did really, really well. And if you look at it globally, we are actually record agricultural production three years in a row. And for what, Illinois or the Midwest? Or globally. What? Globally. Globally. Wow. Yeah, it's definitely gotten wetter. Yeah. Okay. That's Rick DeMaio, folks. Uh, that's the reason we have him on the show as a meteorologist. Meteorologist. 
despite the fact that, he, or in addition to the fact that he's cheap. Uh, but uh, no, thank you. It's always a, ple- a pleasure to. Have. I like the word inexpensive. Right? In- okay, <laughs> inexpensive. Uh, we also want to thank Rob Telfer for being on the show, and thank all of our listeners. Oh well, Randall and Ellie, and all and of our Adam li- Goldstein and Adam Goldstein. Thank you. Uh, until next year, go green or go home. Stadler? Uh, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much. <laughs>